I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Last Wednesday, I dealt with a sermon on maturity, spiritual maturity. And uh, this goes right along with that because I feel like there's people here tonight that understand these principles from the Word of God. Let's begin with verse 1 of chapter 6, and we'll go down through maybe the third verse. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms. Notice that's in plural. The doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. You know, foundations are essential to everything. Uh, If you remember from our past studies here in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written to who? Hebrews. Not just any Hebrew, Hebrews that have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd been entrenched in Judaism, not seeing that Judaism and the Old Testament covenant, the Old Covenant, was a shadow of the Messiah coming and Jesus had come to present the New Covenant to them. And then once they partake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and partake of the knowledge and are enlightened by the power of the Word of God and Christ saves them from their sin, There's a change from the rituals that they've gone through and the religion that they have followed because now what they were looking forward to coming in the Old Testament has now come to pass and they're following Christ. So here this focuses on the laying again of the foundation after that they have gone to the principles of the doctrine of Christ. They can't go back and once again repeat their actions under Judaism that was pointing to Christ because he's already come. And now they're having confusion with that and difficulty with that. And really, it it is a book that is written trying to help them understand their transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. That's for Jews. But what's written for the Jews, may I remind you, we that are saved, we have been grafted in. So it applies to us as well. So here we have a teaching about foundations and the foundation of our faith, which was the foundation of the Jews. This is really applied in two different areas when you study it out. Uh, I, I believe probably that these six items mentioned in the foundation were probably in pairs if you look at them. In other words, repentance from dead works and faith were together. The doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands were together under Judaism. And the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment were together. So these two correlate together because you can't have one without the other. For example, repentance uh, from dead works. Well, you can't have repentance from dead works if you don't have faith toward God. So it goes together. The doctrine of baptisms which under Judaism was a picture of the washing and the cleansing rituals. But when they had the cleansing rituals to the Old Testament teaching, the laying on of hands, 
was there because they had to lay their hand on the sacrifice to identify with the sacrifice to say, this sacrifice is going to bear my sin and is there to be sacrificed for forgiveness of my sin and to atone for my sin. So by laying their hand on the head of the sacrifice, they are now identifying with the sacrifice. Now in the New Testament, as New Testament believers, we realize as well that there are baptisms and those baptisms, I don't have time to get into tonight, so please trust me on this, but those baptisms correlate with the laying on of hands. Some people say, I don't believe on laying on of hands. Well then, uh, it's New Testament teaching. You can't get away from it. You, you cannot pick and choose what you wanna believe out of the word of God. You, you've got to learn to accept certain things as sure as a foundation is, and without a foundation, there'll be no building. And what he's saying is if you don't have these basic elements of foundation in your life, then you're gonna be in serious trouble. You're in a beautiful building, but what would this building be without its foundation? The foundation is the first part of any building project, and the foundation should be the strongest part of any building project. You would not put a building that has great weight on it on an insecure foundation. And why do we need a foundation? Well, I think it's pretty simple to say. One reason is you need a good foundation for safety. The building's not safe if it's not on a solid foundation. And not only do you need a good foundation for safety, but you need a good foundation for unexpected stress, for stress that comes unexpectedly. For example, in our area, we get ice storms, we get snowstorms, winds can come at uh, unbelievable, at unbelievable speeds here in the area to be in the mountains. Winds can come. Can you imagine what this building would be like if all of that wasn't calculated into the building of the foundation? When suddenly an unexpected storm would come, the building couldn't make it. And by the way, I believe that this will change your life when you start to grasp, if I have the right foundation, I don't need to get all shook up every time something happens. I get worried about people that profess Christ and everything that comes in their life, they're so full of fear because I, I know that it will catch us off guard for a little bit, but if you're built on the right foundation, you don't have to worry about it. If death comes, you don't have to worry about death. If sickness comes, you don't have to worry about sickness. If financial problems come, you don't have to worry about those things. If your home and life is built on the right foundation, it will withstand any unexpected storm. I know sometimes it catches us off guard, but when people are overly afraid, and I know what I'm talking about, I deal with a lot of people with sickness and if you're not careful, you'll tell on yourself and your faith in God. For example, you can go to the doctor and the doctor will have one abnormal test. One, it may just be slightly elevated, slightly off. And the first thing you're gonna to wanna to know before they ever go on to other tests, what's wrong with me? You want a diagnosis, we're not happy till we get a diagnosis. Whether it's right, wrong, indifferent or made up, we need a diagnosis. And trust me, if the doctor can't give you one, there's plenty of people that can. They know what's wrong with you. After all, they are internet geniuses. And they can Google anything. The best thing you can do if you ever get anything, don't Google it. 
Help me preach. Don't Google it. You'll find yourself getting every symptom that's on there and the devil will use it as a means to bring fear against you if you're not careful. But I, I watch, and the doctor sometimes or the, or the primary care will go through a whole list of, because you won't leave them alone. You've got to know before they run the test. And they say, well, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. And they could name 20 things. And at the very end, they could say, and there is a very slight, just a remote chance that it could be a type of cancer. Oh my preacher, I've got cancer. How did you go from one to the other? Because you're thinking in the realm of fear. And I'm not saying that we're exempt from that, but even if you do get cancer, how big is your God? Is he bigger than cancer? Is he bigger than diabetes? Is he bigger than arthritis? Is he bigger than aches and pains? I'm not saying we won't have these things, but worst case scenario, if it takes us from this world, we've got heaven to gain and go to a land where those things can never come. Unexpected stress. But then also, the structure is dependent upon the foundation. The foundation is what we, what we refer to as the substructure. You can't see it. But what it is determines how big the structure can be that sits on it. So the substructure determines what the structure is. You can't build a big building on a small foundation. You can't build a foundation on something that is not solid or on shifting ground. So we have the principles here why we need a foundation. We need a foundation for safety. We need a foundation for stress. And we need a foundation to build a proper structure, our life, our calling, God's design for what he'd have us do. So this is really steps toward us maturing as a Christian. See, the more mature you get, don't shout me down now, but the more mature you get with the Lord, the better you'll handle stressful situations. I'm not saying you won't have stress. And I'm not saying it won't knock the wind out of you. It may knock you down. But I promise you, if you've got the right foundation, you'll get up. You'll recover quickly at the right time. God will give you the right word. God will remind you of his power. God will remind you of his past. God will remind you of what he's going to do in the future. God has spoken into your heart the things that he wants you to do and he's gonna perform that work until it's completed because it's his promise. But the phrase that caught me with all of that is the end of verse three. If God permit. Now, why wouldn't God permit us to be strong and mature in him? Because this is all about going on to perfection, which is a word for completeness. So you're learning the doctrine of Christ and you're moving on to the doctrines of his word to bring you to a state of wholeness or completeness spiritually in your life. Why wouldn't God let us go on to perfection if that's his desire for us? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, 
I've been through a few building projects here in the church and I don't know a lot about building. So for those of you that know a lot about it, just overlook my ignorance if I'm speaking in layman's terms, but I'm just speaking it the way that I understood it as we have gone through this and several of you have gone through this with us over the years. And when we have a building project, the first thing you do is you have to get plans. Those plans have to be approved. Sometimes that's a process because you can't, you, you, you just can't believe years ago they used to put red marks on it, you know, and when it come back, it looked like a coloring book They'd, because their job was to find out any weaknesses that's there and to correct those things. And finally you get a set of plans that's approved. And then you start with your building project, which of course first comes to your foundation, preparing excavation and preparing everything for the foundation. Well, that foundation is determined by engineers. You, you've got structural engineers, you've got engineers that determine how, how, much, how much stress that building can take. But in that process, you have to have an inspector come out. And... Uh, that's always a fearful time when an inspector comes out because it's just dreading because you know you could be hit with anything. So here you've got one stage where your footers are dug. They may come and inspect to see what that is. And then you have to have the right, the right structure there, the right rebar that's in it, whatever they require. And they inspect that. If there's anything going in that needs wire mesh in it, that has to be inspected. But when they come, finally, before they'll allow you to start with the structure, that footer, that foundation has to be approved. Now, if you try to to sidestep anything in those plans and they find it, they give you what's called a red tag. Do you know what a red tag is? You're shut down. You don't move forward until you fix it and get it right. But if it's done right, you get a green tag. And if you get a green tag, that means you get to move forward with your building project. And really, when that green tag comes, what they're basically saying is now, I've given you a permit to go on. God's saying there's certain levels that you can't get to until he permits you, he looks at you, he, he searches you. We hate that examination, but as we are examined before God, God says now, you're fit, you're fit to build on, you're fit to move forward, you're fit to go on, you're fit to move to the place that I want you to be, but we have to pass the test. One of those tests that they use is a stress test. <laughs> you have to be able to pass that test. I think that if we trust the Lord and we face these things in life and as we go through these things, I think that we ought to be able to say, with God on our side, it's not going to fail. But we have to do it God's way. And there's no other way around it. And you'd be amazed how many people with this being the foundation, six areas, or three broken down into two, whichever you prefer, you'd be amazed how many Christians do not know anything about those six. And they wonder why they can't move forward spiritually with God. Because they, they, they refuse to see the facts. Here's the simple facts. In Genesis 3... The first time in your Bible, the devil shows up. That's the first record of, of the devil. You remember the Garden of Eden. 
You know what he did. So in Genesis 3, the devil shows up. He is active through your entire Bible until Revelation chapter 20. That means there's only four chapters in your Bible that the devil's not active. And somehow we seem to think that in the modern age church that we're living, that the devil has died or he's a figment of our imagination or he doesn't exist or he's not going to fight us. But the truth of the matter is he's very active. And if we don't understand these fundamentals of this foundation, we don't know how to deal against that evil that comes against us because that's, that's his job. So this foundation, while you're putting it in, you say, well, I don't even know that I'm gonna need it. Foundations are not built for the good times. They're built for the bad times. You'll find out what you know about God and his word when stress comes unexpectedly when problems come unexpectedly. You'll find out what is on you and in you when the pressure comes. Because when pressure comes, whatever's in you is what will come out of you. Every time, it never fails. So the Lord's saying, if we want to overcome him, we've got to do what Jesus did. You remember what Jesus did in Matthew, Matthew chapter four, the devil came to him, representative of evil, and he presented every kind of evil and more than you and I will be faced with in a short period of time. Jesus has gone through this period of fasting and the devil begins to tempt him and try him. And the Bible says after he comes with him with all of these temptations, there's three verses of scripture that Jesus uses every time. It is written, it is written, it is written. What he's saying is the first thing we've got to do is build our life on the word of God. It has to be. If you're not built on the word of God, then you're not going to do what God says to do. Oh, I, I believe the Holy Spirit leads us. I believe he impresses us. But I also want to make this perfectly clear. He will never lead you to do anything contrary to his word. Ever. Ever. He, he's not going to say that something's sin in his word and then turn around and tell you to do that thing that is sinful. It's not going to happen. So it'll always be in compliance with his word. Jesus put it this way. He was talking to them and he said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Do you know why people don't do what God says in his word? They don't know what it says. Some thinks if I don't read it, then I won't be held accountable for it. But the truth of the matter is, God said, I gave it to you. You're accountable for it. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he's saying, it's our responsibility to know what this book says. And he said, then once you know what I say, just do what I say. A lot of people won't mind hearing it, but they just don't want to do it. There's sermons that I know when God leads me to preach it, I know we're gonna lose a certain amount of people because they don't want to do what God said to do. They're not rebelling against me. They just try to pick and choose what parts of the Bible they like and don't like. But all you're doing is hurting yourself. You're not hurting God. You're not hurting this church. You're hurting yourself if you don't know what the Bible has to say. Jesus put it this way when you go to Matthew and start reading in Matthew chapter seven. You remember he said, whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. 
Talked about the winds coming, the storms coming, and, and what was taking place. And he said, but the house stood. Why? Because it was built on the rock. It had the right foundation. Can I tell you that the rock is Jesus Christ, his word. And if we build our life on his word, we may not enjoy the storm, but I'll guarantee you, we'll be standing on the other side of it. And after that happened, they looked at him and they were astonished, the Bible said, at the teaching of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If you want to be amazed, you start taking the word of God, applying the word of God, and the next thing you know, you're saying like God did just exactly what he said he would do. There's really three steps in this. Don't worry, this isn't the sermon. That wasn't just the introduction. I'm just trying to give you a little overview of all of it and a summary of all of it. Three steps. Number one is progression. He said, let us go on. We're supposed to be moving. And we're supposed to be moving forward. And we're supposed to be moving closer. We're not supposed to be moving farther away. He's saying progression. Now, for those of you that are under the influence of false teaching that says, you know, I got saved and I went so far with the Lord and now I'm just gonna stay right there. I'm gonna stop there. Doesn't work that way. You're always moving. You'll either move closer to the Lord and you'll move higher to the Lord or you'll move farther from the Lord. But you can't stand still in this thing. You're going one way or the other. I see so many people that they get saved, they, they get involved in church and they're so close to God and they're so thrilled, but after a little while, they just seem to get bored with all of it. And they start going the other way. That's so sad. Because then, when they get in trouble, they think the preacher can get them out. Or they think somebody else can get them out. But the truth of the matter is, the Lord's the one that gets us out. And do you know why they get so afraid? They're not on speaking terms with him. But when you know him and talk to him every day and learn more about him from his word, then when things come, you can say, I know him and I know his power and I know what he can do. There's not only progression, but there's an explanation. He uses these six areas to try to explain what this foundation is. Trust me, we'll get to it. The explanation of all that. And then finally, he says there has to be a determination. Verse three, and this will we do. Make our mind up. Make our mind up to serve the Lord no matter what's coming and going. Make our mind up to love the Lord no matter what's going on in the world and in our life. Make our mind up to say heaven is worth it all no matter what we face. Make our mind up to say we're not leaving. I would hate to start over again at this stage of my life. He's talking about having to go back and lay the foundation again. Start all over again because we didn't move forward. We went the wrong way. I started preaching the gospel and I want to die preaching the gospel. I started preaching from the Bible I want to die preaching from the word of God. 
I don't want to change anything. I'm not interested in changing the fundamentals of the faith. I still believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I still believe there's no other way to be saved except by and through Jesus Christ. I still believe that Jesus died on Calvary for our sins and rose from the grave for our justification. I still believe that Jesus is coming again. I still believe there's power in his word. I still believe there's love in his heart. I still believe there's mercy and grace for all who have gone astray. I still believe he can get us out of everything that we get ourselves into. I still believe if we have it, he can heal it. I still believe he is God and beside him, there's none other. But if you don't have the right doctrine, you're in trouble. I got uh, the sweetest email, the staff forwarded to me, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. A gentleman from upstate New York, this is nothing against New York. This type of people, these type of people, they're, they're everywhere. But he put a little comment about himself said, thank you, thank you for the television programs, thank you for the DVDs, the CDs, the gift offers. He said, I'm disabled, I'm immobile, I can't get out, I can't go. And he said, two years ago, I started watching your television program. And he was basically intrigued by it. He had lived his whole life entrenched in a false religion. And after two years, he said, because of the consistency of preaching the gospel and teaching the word, I became convinced I didn't need my religion. I needed Jesus. And I needed to know more about Jesus. So he surrendered his life to Jesus. And he put a little note in there that says, Jesus is now in my life and I follow the teachings of Christ. Religion, as I knew it, was false. Religion may make you feel good about yourself right now, but it won't help you when you're dying. Religion may be something that is a security blanket to you right now, but it won't help you when you're going through problems and trouble and strife. You need to know Jesus, and you need to know him personally. That's why that we can't get away from these foundations. Brian had no idea what I was preaching tonight. One of the foundations of the church has been the old hymns. I agree with Mrs. John R. Rice. She said one time, one of her writings I'd read, she said that she was convinced that people learn more sound doctrine through songs than they do through sermons. Because they'll listen to a song and they'll turn a preacher off. She wasn't diminishing the power of preaching. Her husband was one of the great preachers in America. She was just saying, make sure what's in your song is true to your doctrine. Because people will listen to that and they'll abide by that. It's time for us to move on. It's time to, for us to move forward. It's time for people to come back to church. It's time for people not only go back to church, it's time to go back to the Bible. It's time to go back to the fundamentals of our faith. It's time to go back to the experience that we had on the day that the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins and wrote our name in the book of life. 
and forgave us and gave us a new life. It's time to say we're building our house on the fundamental foundation. His word, his doctrines, his ways, his teachings. As they come and get a song, if you're here tonight, there's anything that you need to pray about. Be a good time for you to come. Some have already come bringing their needs to the Lord. That's why I'm glad I'm in a church that still, still believes he is exactly who he said he was in the Bible. He hasn't changed. 